All right, everyone, it is time for the final keynote. And I've got to say, I've been looking forward to this one all day. This is the perfect blend of two great sources of information, TED Talks and The Simpsons. Please join me in welcoming to the main stage, prolific and hilarious Simpsons writer, Carolyn Omeny, and TED Talk speaker, editor-in-chief of Stuff Magazine, Toby Shapshack. Hello and welcome to this very exciting episode of How to Write a Simpsons episode. Not really, but we are lucky enough to have the truly legendary and awesome Caroline Omni. She has been a writer for The Simpsons. She has been a writer for a whole bunch of amazing things that you've seen in the CV. And she is now an executive producer of The Simpsons, who are, which is clearly one of the greatest TV shows in the history of television forever. Um, my name is Toby Shapshak. I'm a journalist based in Johannesburg. I write about technology. And uh, I think they thought I would be funny enough to be funny with someone who is genuinely funny. Um, or we may just be the local color at a dinner party, Caroline. Hello, how are you? I'm good, and I enjoy being the local color. So my first question is, The Simpson is just the, the coolest TV show ever. How wonderful to be involved and work on it. It must be a, a, like a dream to work with such creative, brilliant people. It's it really really is and I I I really I do I think most of the time I I appreciate it I I do complain a lot sometimes but uh, uh, I was a big fan of the show I came on in the tenth season and um, by the way I just feel like I need to point out that I am a co executive producer <laughs> uh, I was at one point an executive producer but whatever uh, but uh, no I was a big fan of the show. I, I just really loved it. And so to be on it, and it's so strange now because I've been on it almost more than 20 years. Yeah, amazing. So it's it's very, it, it's, uh, I, I think we have a dream cast and, and we've added new actors and they're all great. And um, I do remember when I was pregnant, uh, I just thought my kid is, is so lucky because I laugh every day and, and not just at the work, but like just even the conversations that we have, everybody is so crazy and funny. And uh, yeah. And I, I remember at one point telling myself to just sort of really remember that this, this is what I'm going through right now are, are going to be my good old days. <laughs> so uh, I just wanted to be aware of it while it's happening. And uh I, I keep thinking the show is going to end. I thought when I got on in season 10, I thought, oh, good, I get to be on my favorite show in its last season or two. And I, I keep thinking that, but it just keeps going. So, yeah. Listen, I, I, it has been, what, nearly 30 years of the most extraordinary insight and cultural reference. I mean, there's, there's no one in the world who uh, um, who doesn't know who the Simpsons are. Um, and I even have a, a pair of Homer Simpson slippers. <laughs> <laughs> That's so which great. I, which, uh, which, of course, you put your foot in Homer's mouth, which is what yeah, Homer does like all the time. He's eating um, your leg. 
<laughs> indeed, indeed. In fact, my four-year-old son has stolen them and loves them. Can't say Homer yet, but thinks oh. they're awesome. So it's a, it's it's a it's a brilliant television show. But but like I suppose like I've always looked at at, at people who are brilliant at the, what they do, and no one ever sees the hours and hours and hours of other work that goes into it. You know. Um, and that's really what's quite remarkable about The Simpsons is it it looks like it's just easy, but I know that the writing process for television uh, is extremely time intensive, and the collaboration between some really brilliant minds it must be a really interesting process to do. Yes, uh, you know, it's it is. Um... It does. It does feel a lot like play. In fact, I think that when it's we, we kind of have to sort of make it that way. Uh, when uh, for the most part, we're always writing as a group. We each get, you know, we come up with our script ideas and and we pitch an idea and we'll we'll all pitch on it, um, and then we'll have about two weeks off to write it by ourselves. And that's really the only time we're writing by ourselves. But then for the rest of the time, we bring it in and it's just everybody looking at this script. And, uh, you know, it's very much a process of <clears throat> somebody will be running the room and uh, sort of saying, okay, we need, let's look at this part here. And everybody just suggests, suggests, and it's, it's just pitching jokes, pitching jokes. And, you know, I always, I always tell new writers, you know, because sometimes when you're new, you'll come in and you'll just kind of go, somebody will suggest a joke and you'll go, mm, no, because I feel like when you're new, you, you, if you don't have jokes, you kind of want it like, well, my contribution will be to identify the bad jokes. And, uh, you know, it's, I, it really is, even if you're running the room and, and when I run the room or anybody runs the room, you just kind of like the jokes that aren't going to make it, you just sort of nod. Sometimes you laugh at them, but if, and as a contributor, you realize, okay, unless somebody starts typing, unless the person running says, you know, then just keep suggesting. And I do think that really helps keep the ideas flowing. Like if, you know, we we had one uh, writer who sometimes he would get in a bad mood and he would be like, like somebody would suggest something, he'd be like, yeah, like that, but less hacky. And, like, you know, they'd, the room would start getting really quiet. And like, uh, he, he would see, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Uh, I, I recognize that wake up in the morning ringtone myself. <laughs> But uh, I, I, I find that environment quite intimidating, actually. My oldest friend always says I'm only funny when I'm not trying to be. Uh, and someone once called me a sit-down comedian, but he was a <laughs> banker. Um, but but I, I mean, I, I'm a professional writer and I, I, I write every day, but I write in a very different field, uh, you know, mm -hmm. news journalism or feature journalism, very different to what you do. And that, that creative process, I suppose, is... Is, a, is is very interesting to me, even though people look at me and go, oh, look, you're a creative. I go, no, I just have creative hair. Um, it's a profound way of, of, of getting to the nuggets, like the real gold of it. You know, you have 100 jokes and you end up with five or 10. You know, that's, that's an, an incredible output from a lot of very talented people to produce something so good and consistent and, and watchable. I mean, I think I've watched just about every episode, if not several of them many times. I mean, it's a, it's, that's the hallmark for me. It never gets old. I think when writers come to our show, if they're new and, and we 
you know, it, it might be a little bit of a culture shock at how long we'll go, how, how long we'll try for a joke. Um, cause I, I know I've been on other shows where we had this sort of rallying cry of it's good enough. And then we'd move on or, <laughs> or there's something like it's a, it's a 2am joke. Like that works cause it's, uh, but at the Simpsons and, and because of the animation process, I do think we do go over scripts a little bit more than other people do. And there is that thing. Sometimes we'll, if there's a joke that we're having a problem on, we'll send like, five writers off and they'll just go into a room and, and they'll just, they're supposed to come back with a list, which is the hardest because usually it's a joke that we're having a problem with. And so you already know a lot of stuff has been tried and now they tell you go off and come up with a list of alternatives. But I do think that sometimes, you know, when you have a creative something you need to come up with a solution for if you tell yourself okay i've got to come up with seven ideas and you come up with three ideas you're going to go okay that's all the ideas you know but if you say no, i've got to fill out seven and you push there will be things that you will be surprised at what comes up and uh, i think it is that that little extra push to like no, let's 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 keep trying and let's see what happens. And you know, if you decide, oh, you know what, number two was actually the best. Uh, that happens too. It's but never you know, number one isn't. <laughs> I remember one time somebody came back and was like, "Well, we've got a lot of choices here. Each one better than the last." And then, uh, <laughs> and the showrunner just goes, "Then just read the last." <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I love this thing you said about you laugh every day. And I think given the last year of the world and, and the state the world's been in, I, I just think, thank God we have a sense of humor because that'll get us through things that nothing else will. It's, yeah, it's true. You know, I used to do improv. Um, and I think that's sort of where I began everything, writing, comedy, anything. And and also just sort of beginning that process of like trying to, how do you find funny when, you, you know, when you don't feel funny? Um, I remember I, uh, there was a man named McPherson who said like creativity isn't so much a talent as a, as a process and that truly creative people are people who are able to put themselves in that mood. But when I used to do improv, I would I began to notice that when I would be sitting down watching the other people do their improv, sometimes I'd be in this mood of like, mm, that should have started faster. And oh, they should have gotten to the like, I'll get very analytical and like put all the rules that I know and have learned <laughs> work as I, you know, criticize. Yeah. And I on those days, I would never be as funny as like some days I would sit and just <clears throat> sit back and, and say, okay, I'm just going to be entertained by my friends. And I, there is a way you sort of let yourself laugh more at everything. And when I was in those kinds of moods, when I got up, I would be funnier too. And I, I so I sort of try to like apply that sometimes too in the room where I realize, okay, I'm, I'm just being uh, too critical. I need to just laugh and enjoy what's happening here and then then it'll it'll all just start to flow a little bit better indeed and i, I just suddenly remembered something I, I i read a few years ago it was about 
the, the creative process of writing the Big Bang Theory and how all those mathematic, mathematical equations on boards are actually real, but they're like maths jokes, which of course I wouldn't understand because I, I don't speak <laughs> maths as a first language. But, uh, and and the, 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 the impression that I got of the difference between movies and televisions is that movies are so huge budget, there's so much focus that, you know, the producer the, very often will run it, whereas television, it's the writers who are the stars of the show in many ways. And, and you see that in, in great comedy, The Simpsons, the writers are the stars, the, the movie is brilliant, The Big Bang Theory is witty and funny all the time because the you know the the writers are the stars of the show i mean because i'm a writer i think that's a good thing but I, no, i've always I, I noticed that true. i um yeah i think it's 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 a more respected thing in like i think about england they seem to really love the right i i i used to feel like writers in hollywood were kind of there used to be like this old hollywood joke about um you know like did you hear about the dumb blonde? She slept with a writer. Like, you know. <laughs> but, uh, My wife is blonde. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, you told the joke. <laughs> I know that blondes are very smart because they. Me too. She's the smartest to... person I've ever met. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do think that compared to movies, I think right, television is a little bit more writer driven. And I, I think that does help. Um, for a, a long time, it was more executive driven. Um, I think that one of the reasons why The Simpsons came to be was because the Fox network was a fledgling network and they wanted to attract this talent um, that would probably not want to go to a weblet at the time. And yeah. so they got people like Jim Brooks and and Tracy Yellman by saying, OK, we're we're not going to give you notes and stuff. You're going to, you're going to have this freedom. And I do think that made a huge difference. And now I think with cable and stuff like that, I, I think that more executives are sort of stepping out of the way. Um, and I don't know, I don't do movies that much. So I don't really know if that's still the, the case. Uh, but you did, you did star in a movie called Get a Job in 2011. <laughs> and what was it like being in front of the camera for a change? You know, it, it was, uh, it was very, it was, it was uh, my dear friend, uh, Brian Cohn. Uh, it was his movie. And it was, first of all, for me, I grew up in Hawaii. And it starred these people that um, if you were into Hawaiian music or if you grew up in Hawaii, you would know who they were. Um, so for me, they were giant. I was like, oh, my God, Henry Capono is playing my dad. Like, it was really amazing. And I got to kiss Uncle Willie Kay. It was um, it was all really great. So that was really fun. But I did find being like, I just remember the first time I saw myself on camera because you know sometimes you see actors in person and you're like oh well they're they're just sort of normal looking i guess the camera just really and i i was i remember looking at myself on the camera going wait why is that happening for me i thought <laughs> we're gonna do the thing where i'm gonna look so much better but then people would tell me like they would look and they'd go oh wow you look so good and i realized like oh i must think i i want it i want to look better than that but um <laughs> I, I, it, it really made me realize why uh, 
actors can be a little neurotic because as soon I was, I was just cataloging all the plastic surgery I wanted to do. But uh, yeah, that was to me one of the hardest parts just, uh, but uh, you know, but other than that, it was so much fun. I don't know if all movies are that much fun to do, but this was a real labor of love. And, you know, it was, it was just with a lot of people that I love. And people, there are people who like live on Maui, like Willie Nelson. And oh, were, really? He lives yeah, there. I love yeah. Willie Nelson. I love country music. It's my terrible, deep, personal, dark secret. I like country music. I love <laughs> Dolly Parton, you know. It should be a dark secret. I love Dolly Parton. Exactly. But I have to go back to one sentence that almost floated by, which is you grew up in Hawaii. I mean, I think just about everyone alive wishes they said that or, or anyone who watched Magnum P.I. as a kid, you know. <laughs> yeah, except for all the crime that's happening on this tiny island. Uh, yeah. But like we have this guy in a Ferrari or something running around. I know. Um, lucky guy in a Ferrari. I want a benefactor <laughs> like that. It was great, and I really didn't appreciate it as, until I went back as an adult. But during, as a child, we had a real inferiority complex, I think. I, I sort of imagined, like, I watched TV and thought, that's the way the rest of America is, or what we would call the mainland. <laughs> like, I'd see these mothers, like, you know, making these elaborate breakfasts, and I was like on the mainland they have such big breakfasts and i was like in hawaii we just eat cereal and like and toast and, and then you know i come here i'm like all right okay so that's you guys are doing that too and uh, it, i realized you know they, the teachers would tell us like you better get these fractions because on the mainland they're already you know they're already <laughs> past it so we were always like oh man the mainland so I, I mean i grew up in apartheid south africa we only got television in 1976. I remember me and my sister watching uh, somewhere in my house is the is the is the a watch with that TV, a clock with that TV pattern, um, and we would watch anything. And of course, all the American television was dubbed into Afrikaans, which is very much like Dutch, which we all learned to speak. So, uh, and then Spider Man came along, and Spider Man was dubbed into Zulu. So instead of Spider Man, it was Robabi, Robabi. So there's. It's, <laughs> We have such a straight, like, like the Steve, um, the $6 million man, what was his name? Steve something or other. And he, Steve he was Austin. called Steve Austin. That's right. And, and, and in Afrikaans, he was called the man van Stahl, uh, the man of steel. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I went to America, I walked around, it just seemed so familiar. It's like, I feel like I've been here because I'd watched so much of that television. So I'm glad to see, uh, other parts of the world also also didn't experience the, the mainland like that. I mean, we, we've really got a, a time for one more question. And I, I, I suppose, you know, we're, a, we're, we're talking at a cybersecurity conference. I mean, here we are, we're in the room to lift the spirits about this, you know, terrible threat, cybersecurity. Uh, no sooner had I written about ransomware in South Africa affecting Richard Branson's uh, virgin active chain of of gyms than the colonial pipeline thing happened. And, and I've just watched cybersecurity. I'm a technology writer, obviously. I've watched cybersecurity become the biggest thing in the world. But luckily, you and I don't have to talk about it. We're just here to remind people that <laughs> bad stuff happens all the time. And the only way to survive as human beings is to laugh about it. Yes. And, and 
And to say thank you. I mean, I feel the same way about cybersecurity as I, you know, I was just uh, thinking about how grateful I am for the doctors who got this vaccine together so quickly for COVID, because I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do any of this. And and uh, I recognize the importance and the threat, um, but I, I have no idea what to do except for to change my passwords when they tell me to. <laughs> But, uh, Everything Jonathan uh, Riber says, just do it. I mean, <laughs> I do, you know. I mean, he's like a doctor of cyber security, isn't he? Seven years of studying and working, that makes you a doctor of, Dr. Riber, cyber security yeah. expert. <laughs> I think that, like, and I, I imagine, I remembered, you know, even before uh, COVID, I, I, there was this uh, miniseries called Pandemic, and it was, it just showed all the doctors who were like, yeah, it's not a matter of when, of if, but when. And I, I, they were these doctors who would sort of watch animals and see what the threats were. And I thought, wow, these, these, I'm so grateful for these people who are like losing sleep over this thing that could happen. And I imagine that like with, with cybersecurity experts, this is sort of the same thing. So thank you, everybody watching for for, uh, you know, being smart enough to know <laughs> what's happening out there and, and to be working on the solutions for it. because Indeed, it, indeed. And I, look, I, I was just about to say uh, laughter survives everything. And then I realized I know South Africa and especially Johannesburg, we call it Joburg, has a really bad reputation for crime. And a friend of mine makes these bottles that say, I hope I can see it, uh, you probably can't read it, it says, this tap water, this is tap water. It's the safest thing you can do in this, in this city. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a picture. Drinking this water is one of the safest things to do in the city. And of course, crime's a problem. And of course, there's a virus. But actually, our survival mechanism, our escape valve, our pressure release is a good burst of laughter, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it does... I think the, you know, I can remember times laughing at funerals and things, you know, I, I and, and feeling bad, but also sort of realizing that, you know, when you're still able to laugh, it does, it's like, okay, well, I, I guess things are going on. And, uh, Agreed. you know, uh, I, I had the same, I had the same impression when my, my father died a few years ago. And he, I mean, he always used to call my mother his favorite wife and he should say, I'm your only wife, you know, <laughs> and at his funeral, my mother and I joked and I said, we were our favorite father. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's what we need. It's that escape valve. Look, I, I just have to thank you, uh, Caroline Omni. You are just a, a, a legend of, of comedy and humor and please don't stop. We need the Simpsons. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And um, we, we really appreciate how lucky we are that we have people watching our show and paying so close attention. And, and you know, even when it, it gets sort of annoying because they're like, you know, picking apart things, I'm, I'm just so glad that, that they care enough to like look at it. And, and uh, but, uh, you know, I, I do think there is that, <clears throat> the thing when, you know, in, in like, like the thing I said about in improv there, you, you do have to sometimes kind of step back a little bit in order to laugh at everything. And I yeah. do think 
it, it is what we all need to do and and uh you know. <laughs> I totally agree. And listen, we well, I have to say a uh, shout out to my countrymen. South Africa's exported our brand of comedy through Trevor Noah. So, you know, we've had a little bit of a role to play in the world. We, we don't have Nelson Mandela anymore, but we do have Trevor Noah. Oh, yeah. The Daily Show is like the conscious, <laughs> conscience of, uh, you know, America <laughs> right now. Great. I just have to thank you. And, and, and thank you, everybody, for watching this. We're going to put you back to the boring, I mean, the very interesting cybersecurity stuff. Yes, very important. And uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for your service, cybersecurity. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Oh, man, I'm definitely going to be watching this one again. So much fun. All right, we are winding down the event. It's been such a pleasure to host all of you. Uh, we want to extend a personal thank you to everyone that participated, the fantastic speakers, the sponsors, the customers, and the people that want to get a little more acquainted with Attack IQ. Uh, and also, thank you for being a part of the very first Purple Hats conference. It's really been a pleasure for Ron and myself. Don't forget that there is a great opportunity for networking, 12.05 Pacific time today, all the way up until 12.35. Well, you'll have a chance to connect with your fellow cybersecurity practitioners and pros and other sponsors and talk about everything from ransomware to purple teaming and more. I hear there's a prize for a lucky person to win one pretty slick purple igloo cooler. And I heard those are coming back in style. So definitely check that out and you don't want to miss it. Definitely. Thanks again, everyone. Be safe and stay well.